Welcome to the Truth and Liberty broadcast. We believe we have a mandate to bring godly change to our nation and the world through the seven spheres or mountains of influence. To further this cause, we give away a product every week that will empower you to get involved in changing your life and changing our world. You can register for our weekly giveaway by subscribing at truthandliberty.net. You can also subscribe to our newsletter to receive weekly updates on guests, news, and much more. This is an interactive live cast and we welcome your questions. To ask a question during the live cast, use the comment or chat features. Now get ready to dive into this week's topics with our hosts on location in Colorado, USA. Hello and welcome to the Truth and Liberty live cast. My name is Mark Cowart, setting in for Andrew Womack tonight. We have a very special uh, Truth and Liberty live cast tonight. We have two gubernatorial candidates with us and sitting here with us tonight, Richard, is Heidi Ganahl. And Heidi, we want to welcome you. And we're going to give you a more proper introduction <laughs> in just a moment. But uh, in the meantime, we've got a little bit of housekeeping items to go over, Richard. Right. So we're going to pitch that over to you. All right, Mark. Well, it's great to have you here and you, Heidi, and all of you who are watching tonight. This is going to be a really special show. Be sure to tell your friends and family to gather around and, and check this out. And also, uh, the, uh, tonight's show will be archived, so you can always watch it on our website at truthandliberty.net. And speaking of our website, we've got some great new resources that are posted there. I tell you, we can barely keep up with the news. There is so much going on out there. We're trying to provide you with tools and resources that you need to know what's going on from a conservative Christian perspective and you can stand for truth in the in the public square. A new article on our resources page talks about the, the Barner research that came out recently showing that only half, that's this is shocking guys, only half of evangelical pastors out there actually have a biblical worldview. Amazing, right? And a number of other resources, so check those out. We've also got some great events coming up here at Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis Bible College that you're going want to uh, be sure to know about. The first one is the In God We Trust performance. That's on, on July 3rd and 4th on the campus of Karis Bible College in Woodland Park, Colorado. And uh, you can find out more about that on the website at awmi slash events. And this show, guys, is so awesome. I can't describe it uh, adequately. You have to just experience it. It is a patriotic, um, I don't want to use the word extravaganza, but it's just awesome. The music is so good. I tell you, there's a scene in there uh, about the... Um, the Star-Spangled Banner and how that song was written that will literally move you to tears. It is powerful, the dedication of our forefathers to liberty and to this nation. You want to check that out. Also, the Summer Family Bible Conference is the week of July 5th through the 8th. You want to get refreshed and uh, have a fun family vacation at the same time, come out to the Summer Family Bible Conference. It's going to be awesome. Healing is here is July, or excuse me, August 9th through the 12th uh, at Karis. You want to uh, uh, check that out too. That's an amazing event. And then also so uh, the Truth and Liberty Conference is coming up September 8th through the 10th. This is going to be a conference that is just going to blow your socks off. The, the number of uh, high-profile, powerful men of God, women of God that are coming to speak and present at this is just incredible. We've got David Barton, Bill Federer, Eric Metaxas, Mario Murillo, E.W. Jackson, um, uh, Pastor uh, McCoy from California, Janet Porter is going to be there. And uh, even Andrew's going to even let me talk, Mark. 
Mark. Oh. I, I can't believe that, but it's going to be awesome. So guys, you want to come check that out September 8th through the 10th at Karis Bible College. Are you a subscriber to Truth and Liberty? If you're not, I promise you, uh, you need to. I know you get a lot of emails, but this one is worthwhile. We provide our subscribers with blogs and resources and other information um, uh, that help you, again, uh, be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Just go on our website on the upper right-hand corner, click subscribe, share your email with us, and we'll sign you up today. And if you do that, you'll be eligible to receive uh, a free uh, product. This week, we're giving away Andrew's book, Christian Philosophy. I tell you, this book is almost prophetic. He wrote it several years back before really this wokeness got to the levels it is today, but he addresses all kinds of issues in here that are now critical in our culture. If you want to get equipped with the truth from a biblical perspective, plus be equipped with facts and stats and information, um, uh, become a subscriber today and you'll be eligible to receive that. Um, also, uh, we do what we do here at Truth and Liberty through the financial generosity of our members. And are you a Truth and Liberty member? I want to invite you to consider becoming one today. Just go on our donate page, sign up to make a recurring contribution of $5 or more per month, and you'll be a Truth and Liberty member. And we will send you a free copy in the mail of Andrew's um, Actually, this is a book that has, or a, a booklet that has the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution of the United States, and Andrew's Declaration of Dependence upon God and the Holy Bible. So it's a great pocket resource to have. Do you know that only a very small percentage of Americans have actually read the Declaration or the Constitution? It's not really taught in our schools anymore. I'm a lawyer, and it wasn't even taught in law school. We studied cases, but not the text of the actual Constitution. Why don't you be different and be a proud American? And... Um, you can get that today by being a Truth and Liberty member. And last thing is if you need prayer, you want someone to agree with you in prayer today, please uh, call into our phone center at 719-635-1111. And I'm promising you guys there is a whole room full of spirit-filled Word of God trained prayer ministers standing by to agree with you, share words of encouragement, and join their faith with yours. We see miracles out of that phone center literally every day. Healings, salvations, uh, encouragement, all kinds of stuff. So call in today if you're in need of prayer. Pastor Mark, that's all I've got. Awesome. Thank you, Richard. A lot of awesome things going Amen. on. And a really special uh, live cast for you tonight. So we're going to hear from Heidi Ganahl the first half of the broadcast. And we have uh, Greg Lopez standing by for the second half. So, Heidi, one of the things, you know, I was looking at your bio here, and it's quite amazing. Thank you. And it would take me quite a while to get through <laughs> that. So I'm going to ask you, give us a little of your background. Sure. And then Richard and I have got some questions for you tonight. That sounds great. Well, I love Colorado with all my heart. I love our country. I have been blessed to live the American dream. I started one of the country's largest pet care franchises, Camp Bow Wow, uh, back in 2000. After I went through some really tough times when I was young, my first husband passed away in a small plane crash, actually in the springs here. And it took a lot to turn my life around and get back on track, and the dogs helped me do that a lot, but also helping other people start their American dream through franchising. And I built that company over about 15 years and then uh, moved on and decided to give back. So I ran for regent at the University of Colorado. And in Colorado, we elect our board of regents. So I, it's one of four states that does that. So I ran statewide just a few years ago. And I ran against one of the most formidable Democrats in the party. 
Alice Madden, and she was one of the ones that helped uh, our current governor flip the state from red to blue. And I eked it out by about 77,000 votes, but I have the playbook. I plan on doing it again and beating Jared Polis this fall and getting back our beautiful Colorado way of life. Mm. But most importantly, I have an amazing husband, Jason, who's one of the top barbecue cooks in the country and has restaurants in the Denver metro area. And then I have four beautiful kids. I have Tori, who's 26, a 12-year-old, Holly, and Jack and Jenna, the twins that are 10. And they've really thrown me into the fight for education in Colorado and opening charter schools and becoming a regent and making sure we go all in on school choice and transparency and curriculum, which I can tell you more about that story, but that's how I landed up. It ended up sitting here running for governor is through um, the schools and the situation with them. Fantastic. One thing that I know as a pastor, uh, the last two years with the corona situation, We've certainly seen in this nation the critical importance of the office of governor. Yes. And uh, some states far worse than even Colorado. Mm -hmm. But Heidi, the first question we have for you, why are you the best candidate? Why do you feel you're the best candidate for Republican uh, governor? Well, I think we're both great candidates. I, I think the most experienced thing we can bring as a governor candidate and as governor is leadership, um, executive experience. I built a company from scratch into one of the largest franchise companies in the segment and created thousands of jobs and led it through the Great Recession of 2008. So we got it through some tough times and came out the other side on the Inc. 500 fastest growing company list. I've started four or five other companies and nonprofits and built those and learned how to really listen to my customers and create products and services that speak to their hearts, especially around my nonprofits and especially around kids. That's been my passion. And then we need someone who can win, right? I'm the only Republican who has won statewide in almost eight years. I'm the only statewide re elected Republican right now. And so we've got a good playbook. I have a great team. We've raised a lot of money, which is really necessary in this to take on Jared Polis, who put 24 million of his own money in last time. And it's a special moment in time for women, too. Um, one of the, the Bible verses that speaks to me so often right now is Esther, and we were created for a time as this. The women in Colorado are rising up. The moms, the grandmas, no offense, we need you guys, too. But you can tell the energy and the passion, and you don't mess with mamas. <laughs> so I think we've got a great shot. I do believe we'll win the election in the fall and take back our beautiful state. And the most important thing I can do as governor is undo a lot of things. Mm. There's a lot to undo. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, Heidi, uh, you know, there, it was, there was an opinion leaked from the U.S. Supreme Court a few weeks ago in the Dobbs versus Mississippi case uh, that looks like that uh, Roe versus Wade might get overruled. And I'm curious, um, do you believe, and, and Colorado's Democrat-controlled legislature responded by passing the most pro-abortion bill in the entire country, stating that unborn children have no right to life. Do you believe unborn children have a right to life? And if you're elected governor, what will you do to protect that? Oh, yes. With all my heart, I do. And that bill is disgusting. And we have to do everything we can to roll it back. That is not the heart of Colorado, the people that I talk to every day, the moms, the grandmas, the young women. I don't think anyone thinks it's okay to abort a baby at birth, as Jared Polis and the Democrats have put forward. 
it's just not the heart of Colorado and we need to do everything we can to roll it back. But we also have to create opportunity for young women and economic prosperity so that they can make choices that uh, encourage them to keep their children. And I've done a lot of work in that regard with Moms Fight Back, a nonprofit that I started back in 2013 to address domestic violence and child abuse and difficult situations that um, young moms face, well, all ages of moms face. And then I also started She Factor with my daughter, my oldest daughter, which was an organization, a B Corp, um, which is like a nonprofit to help um, young women in their 20s build a life that they love and be prosperous and also a life of faith and focused on family and uh, just doing the right things in your life so that you can be happy and have a good connection to um, your faith as well. Awesome. Well, Katy, I want to actually read this one. Talk about a hot topic right here. <laughs> there are a lot right now. <laughs> yeah, kind of what isn't anymore. Yeah, right. but yeah, it's this like whack-a-mole. <laughs> this, yeah, exactly. This one especially, I, and I wanted to read this. Um, many have said that Colorado has the gold standard on mail-in ballots and election security. However, the forensic examination of the Mesa County election server hard drive so shows serious problems with the voting machines. Do you believe we need to reform our election system in Colorado? And if so, what would you do as governor to make sure that's accomplished? Well, as I travel this state, obviously this is a very important topic right now. And I think the most important question we can ask is why do so many people feel uncomfortable about our elections on both sides? What can we do to restore confidence? One of the most important things we can do is provide transparency around the whole process and all the electronics involved and the paper ballots involved, everything, just be open books about it, which our current Secretary of State and the legislature just passed a bill doing the exact opposite and taking power away from county clerks. There are so many ways that we can improve the process and make people feel great about our vote again, like providing photo ID throughout the process, cleaning up our voter rolls, stopping ballot harvesting, which is legal in Colorado. We can do much better, and I will as governor, and we will win the legislature too, so we can get a lot done on that regard. Fantastic. Well, um, another thing that is increasingly on people's mind is crime. Yes. And uh, I was looking at some stats today, and from 2019 to 2021, the murder rate in Colorado went up 47%, and violent crime in general, 18%, auto theft, 38%. What do you think the causes of this are in Colorado, and what can we do about it? I, I can tell you the cause is poor leadership, and um, I, I think they say they have compassion, but there is nothing compassionate about letting the murder rate skyrocket or auto theft skyrocket or fentanyl flow into our state and kill families and destroy our neighborhoods. I had a mom walk up to me at an event and put a, an ornament in my hand and she said, hi, I want you to carry this with you everywhere on the campaign trail. This is my beautiful daughter who was 16. She was having a bad day and her friend gave her a Xanax, thought it might make her feel better, and it was laced with fentanyl and she died that day. And it had been just a few months and it broke my heart. Mm. And I can't tell you how many more stories like that I've heard. And when you talk to law enforcement, a lot of what's happening with our crime rate is connected to fentanyl and drugs and actually the legalization of marijuana back in 2012 when we uh, made medical marijuana legal. They're probably not going to put that genie back in the bottle, but if you sell drugs to a child, 
No matter what the drug is, you should go to jail. You should stay there a very long time. It's time to get tough on crime, if for nothing else, to stop our kids from dying and hurting themselves in this state. We have one of the top suicide rates in the country right here in Colorado for our kids mm. and drug addiction, second highest drug addiction rate for kids in the United States in Colorado. Yeah, here's one. Uh, when it comes to education, um, Colorado law prohibits schools from teaching abstinence, which you can't wrap your mind around that, um, until marriage as the best approach to sexuality. Do you think that's right? Okay. Uh, the nonsense that's happening in the schools is why I'm sitting right here. So my kids were up in Boulder Valley School District. Um, my older one had gone through the public school system and we survived it okay. But my little ones, Holly and Jack and Jenna, were in first grade and third grade. And they came home one day and said, Mom, they had the weirdest play at school today. And this was four or five years ago before this really took off and was, you know, parents were aware of what was happening in the schools. They say, our, this people came into the school and did a play and told us that we don't have to be a girl or a boy. We can be whatever we want to be. And it's actually rude to ask someone or to call someone a boy or girl without asking them if that's what they prefer. And I thought, mm. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so I talked to some other parents. We got together and uh, went and met with the principal and said, you know, this is a conversation that us as parents should be having with our children. And could you give us a heads up if you're going to have programs like this going forward? And she said, well, it's so embedded in the curriculum. There's no opting out. We're, we're a bit ahead of that, or we're a bit behind the eight ball on that. And I said, well, um, I'm sorry. We're the parents. We should have more say in what our kids are being taught in the classroom, especially around sex education and some of these sensitive pro uh, subjects. That didn't go well, so I decided to start a charter school up there, a Barney charter school connected to Hillsdale College. And I'd been one of the founding members of Golden View Classical and Ascent Classical. We got 700 kids signed up and they turned it down. And they kind of ran us out of town for being connected to a private Christian college and said they didn't want their kids learning those kinds of things. So we moved to Douglas County and helped found Colorado Christian Academy, a small private Christian school where our kids are doing exceedingly well. And they've been there a couple of years and the school is flourishing. And, but I want every parent to have that choice. That's why school choice is so, so important. And we've got to go all in on having the funding follow the family so that parents that don't have the resources to move to a different zip code or you know, pick a private school or homeschool have that option. That's my number one priority as governor. You know, Heidi, on just continuing on that subject for a minute, um, a few years ago, the legislature of Colorado passed a new law on comprehensive sex education, comprehensive human sexuality is what they called it. And that's the bill that says that you can't teach abstinence uh, as, a, as a preferred um, approach, even though abstinence has 100% birth control effectiveness. <laughs> uh, but the, the law also um, says that they have to teach that abortion is an acceptable pregnancy outcome, and they have to teach that homosexuality and other forms of destructive sexual behavior are just as acceptable as anything else, um, and, and things uh, like, so any kind of sex is okay as long as there's quote unquote consent. I don't know how a minor can have legal consent. Maybe, maybe they can explain that, but what is your thought on that comprehensive sex ed law? Does it need to be repealed? What are you gonna do about it when you're governor? These are exactly the conversations that should happen in a home with the parents and the family, not in schools or by unelected bureaucrats. I just 
was involved in an email exchange with uh, one of the new school board members up in Adams 12, and she alerted me that um, high school students in their, th that school district can change their gender in high school without any notice to the parents. And what does that mean in day-to-day -day interactions with the student? They get to pick their locker room. They get to go on overnight trips with the opposite team. That's not, that is not, should not be happening in a vacuum without the parents involved. These are conversations that should happen in the family with parents and not in schools. And certainly our kids in early grade school should not be taught, taught anything about sex without the parents involved, um, period. And along that line, um, Heidi, when it comes to biological gender, do you think we should affirm children in their biological gender? or should we encourage them to explore other genders? What are your thoughts on that? Well, thank goodness, I think um, one of the big organizations decided finally to stop um, biological males from competing in um, women's sports today. So that was a very important shift in the narrative and what's happening. So I think it's, uh, it's kind of shocking to me that that's become such a, a thing. And I think that um, this is, again, an issue for families and parents and churches and, and communities to discuss. It shouldn't be necessarily um, dealt with in the school. We have great anti-bullying programs. There's no reason to ever treat any child badly or tolerate that, no matter what's going on with them. So I think kindness and grace and care, but really pushing that conversation back to the parents and the home is where it needs to be. Mm. You know, uh, I think the Biden administration recently authorized the expenditure of federal funds for transgender therapy for minors. And uh, I didn't know if you were aware of that or not, but um, is, that, is that a good, should the government be paying for kids to get gender transition treatment? And if, if not, what are you gonna do about that as governor? I mean, that seems to be atrocious to me, but. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if there's any state funds being used um, for um, transgender conversion in kids, but, I think, again, it goes to the parents and the families dealing with these issues. The government should stay out of that. And I, I believe you know, our children are precious, and they often make decisions that they regret later on. And we have to be so, so careful about um, respecting them, but guiding them, guiding them to do the right thing for their young bodies and themselves. And a little bit of a shift here, Heidi. What is critical race theory and should we be teaching it in our schools? So critical race theory, I mean, obviously it's controversial. It can be studied in higher education as a theory, but it certainly should be not be used as a guide for how to teach our kids to treat each other or how to judge each other. Martin Luther King was a pretty smart guy, and he said to judge people based on their character, not the color of their skin. In fact, I put forward a resolution saying just that last fall at the University of Colorado in my role as a regent, and it was voted down. Mm. I was just shocked and thought, you know, I, the, the folks that I know that are on the front lines of this battle just want to be treated with respect and kindness and be treated like everyone else. They don't want to be called out or, um, you know, isolated because of their race, religion, or gender. We've got to be careful about crossing that line. Martin Luther King was a really smart guy and had a good approach, and I think it worked pretty well for our country. Can we always do better? Of course we can. Of course we can, and we should. But CRT is not the answer. You know, uh, along those same lines, the 
there's a thing called the 1619 Project, yes. and it has been uh, debunked by proper scholarship, but nevertheless, it still gets pushed by the education establishment uh, and serves as a basis for this CRT uh, movement in schools. Um, what would you do as governor to assure that our students are taught true uh, American history? Well, actually, the Martin Luther King Center has put out an alternate program to the, that project that they're presenting to schools um, with his teachings and his um, guidance. So I think that's a much better option for our students. But, you know, I respect our founding principles so much, and I think the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence were pretty amazing documents that have led to so much prosperity, so much prosperity that everybody wants to come and live in America and be here still to this day. And we've got to... We've got to recognize that um, our country was um, founded in God's armor, with God's armor around it, and he trusted us to build this, this amazing nation. But as the saying goes, it's, uh, it takes, uh, what's the saying about you know, keeping a republic oh. after you're given one? <laughs> and we're not doing Franklin. such a hot job yeah. right now. If you can keep it. Yeah, if you can keep it. So we've got a lot of work to do, and, and it goes back to really understanding the essence of what our country was founded on and how to get back to that American dream being the goal for every child to have. Mm. Can I ask a follow-up real quick yeah. on that? You know, yeah. President Trump uh, uh, instituted something, I think it was called the 1776 yes. Commission. Are you familiar with that, yes. and do you yep. think that's important? I think it's a really important part of the conversation, and I think, um, you know, I, I actually, I very much prefer that project to the other one. I think it's, uh, uh, it's not nearly as negative and, and talks about the founding principles of our country in a positive way. But at the end of the day, again, it goes back to just the simplicity of the American dream and the, this grand American experiment and what we were founded on. And it's really about opportunity and giving our children the opportunity to go out and do really big things, things that may not be possible in the rest of the world. That's what I want to protect and promote and guide us back towards in Colorado. The most important thing I can do as governor is trust you to make good decisions for your life, your business, your family, your church, your community. That's what's missing now. I call it the Colorado way of life. It's just about trusting people again to run their lives. Well, this next question, I want to read it so I don't miss anything, but this one's very dear to my heart. It has okay. to do with Jared Polis. Um, <laughs> Jared Polis deemed that churches were not essential during the pandemic and banned gatherings for worship of more than 10 people. Colorado's attempted to find Christian merchants who refused to participate in gay weddings, other celebrations, including a cake baker and a website designer. What will you as governor do to protect religious freedom in the state of Colorado? Well, I certainly won't keep pot shops open and close churches down if there's another illness that <laughs> spreads our way. That was disgusting. And that's not, that's not the right decision for our state, for our children, for our families. Never did we need our churches and our faith more than over the last couple years with the challenges we faced. And I know that we were talking beforehand about how strong some of the churches came through and how many people found their faith through the struggles of COVID. But uh, boy, the mandates and the restrictions that came down made it very clear about how Jared Polis feels about people of faith and about our connections with our churches and our communities who are solving some of the toughest problems that we're facing right now. So I'm very proud of you for coming through that stronger and better. And I think that's the example that we need to use going forward. 
And boy, do we need a lot of faith right now. We need a lot of reconnection to um, God and you know, what our future looks like in this country. Mm. Well, Heidi, uh, the last question we've got for you it has to do with uh, Colorado's state of affairs financially. Mm -hmm. And I just want to throw that up and ask you, are we doing well financially in this state? Because if you watch the mainstream media, it sure seems like everything's hunky-dory. But is that really the truth? And can you comment on where we are and what needs to happen, what you would do as governor uh, to help our financial state? Well, I wish they'd go out and talk to people across Colorado because folks are suffering all over our state. The cost of gas isn't insane right now, whether it's diesel or farm diesel or regu regular gasoline that we put in our cars to get to work or childcare or to visit our family. Um, also, farmers and ranchers are being decimated by the overregulation, the taxes, the fees, the property rights issues. We've got to get our um, beautiful city of Denver back on track. Small businesses are shuttering because of the homeless problems and the crime. The economy is suffering here, and they may put up some good stats, but we've dropped from number 11 to number 29 in business-friendly states. Um, we pay exorbitant amounts of property taxes, sales taxes, income tax. So I have some big, bold ideas to take us to zero income tax over my first term and reduce the size of bureaucracy by 10% a year or 40% in my first term and cut the gas tax in half and still fix the roads. Our state budget has doubled in the last decade to $36 billion. They're taking more and more of our dollars and not doing the right things with it. We've got to put that money back into the pockets of the people of Colorado and honor our promises about how we're going to take care of our roads, our schools, our healthcare system, et cetera. Well, you know, we've got a Democrat-controlled legislature and a Democrat governor and Democrat treasurer and everything else Democrat. What are they doing with our money up there in Denver that, <laughs> that you would fix? That's a good question. We've got uh, agencies that are out of control, the bureaucracies, the boards and commissions that control our everyday lives and make it harder to live, work, and raise a family here. That's why it's so important to roll back a lot of that bureauc bureaucratic growth. It's grown by 20 to 25% under Jared Polis. How has he done that? By hiring 4,000 new full-time employees into agencies that really have a lot of power and control as we saw over COVID and our churches and our businesses. Gotta roll that back and give power back to people and parents and business owners and church, churches and you know different community leaders to make good decisions for their lives and their businesses and their kids. That's how we're gonna get back on track and that's how we'll have a thriving economy and that's how we'll become the greatest state in the United States of America again. Awesome. Let it be, Lord. <laughs> well, Heidi, thank you for taking time out of your busy of schedule to come up. We've actually made it through all our questions. We've got just a few seconds left, then we're going to have Greg Lopez come in. So we want to thank all of you for joining us. Stay tuned. Uh, let people know that Greg Lopez is coming. Also, this will be archived and you can share it with others. All right. Well, uh, uh, but be sure to vote. Uh, turn in your ballot on time. Get informed. Go to the candidates' websites and all these other things, and, and you can make up your own mind. Get Research where they stand on the issues. Research their qualifications. Don't depend on anybody else to tell you how to vote, but be a responsible citizen. And uh, we're so blessed in Colorado to have fine candidates like Heidi and Greg, and uh, it's our job at Truth and Liberty to bring that information to you, and that's what we uh, aim to do. So uh, we're going to be back in just a little bit with Greg Lopez and uh, now we've got some um, uh, a couple of promotional videos we want to show you about upcoming events here at AWM. God is a creative God and you are made in his image to create. 
We are plugged into the creator of the universe. He lives within us and we have the capacity to see what he sees and to dream what he dreams and to speak what he says and to let the promises of God develop within us till we say, I can do that. The promises of God is what causes that creative faith to take root. You have to get the word inside of you. If you're going to know your God and know your calling and know where you're supposed to be and you combine that creative faith to it, wow, it's unstoppable. You're already healed. You're already delivered. You're already blessed. You're already everything that God ever wanted you to be. It's there in spiritual form and faith gives substance to it, brings it out of the spirit and puts it into the physical. Y'all receive that? Yeah. Amen. God will come through. Miracles are waiting for you, but not if you stay in the boat. It is vital for the church to be the salt of the earth and have the God-intended righteous influence on our culture and community. Faith doesn't give you the whole picture. God doesn't tell you every step along the way. He says, trust me. Is the finish line how much stuff you can accumulate before you die and leave it all behind? Or is the finish line standing before God? We must rebuild the United States of America, this constitutional republic under God. The time is now, we cannot wait any longer. Welcome back. Brother. To, okay. <laughs> Sorry, Gert. You know, folks, we haven't done this with two guests back to back before, so there's a few little, uh, we'll know how to do it better next time. But anyway, I'm going to pitch it over to Pastor Mark, and he's going to introduce our next guest. Well, this is good. Well, we're having fun tonight. I can say that. So anyway, we are back with uh, Greg Lopez, and uh, we're excited to have you, Greg. Thank you for being with us. You bet. And, you know, as I told Heidi, I could read her bio, but Tell our guests just a little of your background, and then Richard and I have a list of questions we'd like to ask you. You bet. You know, I come from humble beginnings. You know, I don't come from money. I don't come from a great education. You know, my mom and dad grew up working in the fields. You know, my dad has a sixth grade education, and he never really truly learned how to read and write. And my mom has a 10th grade education. But they taught us boys that if we stay out of trouble, we surround ourselves with good people, we stay out of, we make sure we go to school and learn, we can live the Colorado dream. You know, the American dream, and that's who I am. You know, I'm a veteran. I'm a disabled vet. I'm a dad, you know, of two uh, adult children. I'm a small business owner. You know, I'm the former mayor of the town of Parker. I was elected at the age of 27. I was the youngest mayor elected in the state at the time, and it was a strong mayor, so I was a mayor and the city manager. You know, I'm the former director of the United States Small Business Administration here in Colorado, so I truly understand the challenges that small businesses face every single day. Awesome. Thank you. Greg, for taking time out of your schedule. So here's the first question. You bet. Why do you feel that you're the best person to be the Republican candidate for governor? You know, like I said earlier, you know, I feel that I can connect with the people. You know, I'm just like everybody else. I work hard, you know, I try to provide for my family, but I've been traveling the state and I've been talking to all kinds of individuals. You know, and they all tell me, you know, Greg, it seems like our voices aren't heard anymore. We need a governor that truly cares about us. You know, the polls right now are showing that Governor Polis will beat 
by six points a generic Republican. Well, I'm not a generic Republican. Right. You know, I'm a Republican that's going out there and listening to the people. I have the experience to actually govern. I know exactly what it means to build a community, to deal with all the issues that the, the community is facing. You know, I sat on the board of E-470, so I understand transportation. You know, I sat on the board of the Denver Regional Council of Governments, so I understand water and air quality and all the issues that we're facing. But most importantly, I will always put people over politics. You know, I want to make sure that we have the people's voice be truly represented in our government. Well, Greg, you know, there's um, been a lot in the news lately on the issue of abortion as the Supreme Court, uh, uh, somebody at the Supreme Court illegally leaked a draft opinion right. showing that Roe versus Wade is about to be reversed. And um, um, I see on your lapel a little, a little pin <laughs> there with two feet. I think I know what that stands for, but are you, uh, do you believe that, that unborn children, children in the womb, um, have a right to life? You know, the Colorado just passed the most aggressive abortion law in the entire nation, That's and right. it ranks it right up there with China, North Korea, uh, you know, and places like that. Do you believe ch unborn children have the right to life? And if you're gov elected governor, what are you gonna do to protect that right? I definitely do, Richard. Look, the unborn child is the most precious thing that we must protect. And these little feet, these are the actually size of a 10 week old. And so I wear them to remind people that when we talk about the termination of life through abortion, this is what we're talking about. You know, this abortion bill that just got signed by the governor, in my perspective, is pure evil. We've truly lost our moral compass here in Colorado. I don't think anybody wants to destroy a life. And when they say that there is no life in the uh, womb of a, of a woman, that is just wrong. And so what I'm gonna do is make sure that we fight against it because it's important for us to make sure that we protect all life. Look, I protect all life. And one of the things that I wanna know is, you know what, that I want Colorado to be known for, it's not what Governor Polis is doing. He's promoting us as the abortion state. We need to be the state that shows love, compassion, and empathy for young women that find themselves in difficult situations. You know, and pregnancy resource centers, this is where they can go to get true moral support to help them make good decisions. You know, we can't legislate morality, but we definitely must protect both the woman and the unborn child when they face these, these situations. Well, there's a couple of questions here, Greg, that I'm going to read. And both you and Heidi got these questions beforehand, so you're getting the same questions. But many have said that Colorado has the gold standard on mail-in ballots and election security. However, the forensic exams of the Mesa County election server hard drive show serious problems with the voting machines. Do you believe we need to reform our election system in Colorado? And if so, what will you do as governor to make sure that is accomplished? You know, let me first say I don't agree that we're the gold standard by any stretch of the imagination. You know, just because we were one of the first states to do the mail-in ballot doesn't make us the gold standard. Mm. You know, I have some serious concerns about our election integrity process. You know, I want to make sure that we have, we stop this ballot harvesting. There's so much ballot harvesting going on here in the state of Colorado that it really is undermining the true integrity of our elections. The other thing is cleaning out the voter rolls. You know, our voter rolls are notorious for having so many different people at the same address, and we need to clean those up. And the last thing that I would say we need to do is have true forensic audits on every election. And as governor, that's what I'm gonna push for. We're gonna make sure that everybody feels good, that their, their vote actually counted correctly and that their voices are being heard. Because if we lose our election process, we become a third world country. And that's not what we want America to be. Wow.
So um, crime is another issue that is on everybody's minds. And uh, I, I knew we had uh, a problem on our hands, but I was doing some research before the show, and Greg, and I saw that the murder rate in Colorado from 2019 to 2021 actually went up 47%. Um, violent crime is up, I think, 18%. Auto theft, <clears throat> 38%. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the cause of this uh, spike in crime or causes, and what are you gonna do about it as governor? You know, Colorado is broken. When we talk about crime, you know, you just gave all the stats. What really has happened is, uh, for some reason, there's misguided legislation that's being passed, you know, that somehow puts the criminal in front of the victim. We now treat criminals like they're more important than the victim. And when you look at what's going on with the misguided policies, you know, I'm going to bring back qualified immunity to our police officers, because when we took away qualified immunity from them, they really are struggling now as to how are we going to actually protect our communities and our streets. You know, we have people, uh, police officers that are retiring because they're concerned about them not having the ability to um, do their jobs correctly, because if they get charged with any mistreatment or any sum, they must pay the first 25,000 out of their own pockets. You know, so we must give back qualified immunity. The other thing is, as a governor, I'm gonna be strong on crime. Look, I'm not gonna allow people to tell us that we must defund the police. That is just plain wrong. We must fund our police officers because they're men and women, they're parents, they're moms, they're dads. They're trying to protect our community. How dare we tell them that they're not valuable, that they don't matter? We need to support them, and as a governor, I'm gonna do that. You know, the fentanyl is a huge problem here in Colorado. You know, they first allowed four grams of fentanyl to be legal. That kills 2,000 people. And then they realize that it's not, that's probably not the direction we wanna go, and so they do reduced it to one gram. It still kills 500 people. You know, so fentanyl and the homelessness, all those types of things, we must roll back. We must make sure that we have true crime prevention, and we must be strong on crime, and that's what I'm gonna do as governor. Well, moving on to education, Greg, Colorado law prohibits schools from teaching abstinence until marriage as the best approach to sexuality. Do you think that's right? Think about that for a minute. You know, they're trying to teach that they can't teach abstinence, but there's nothing wrong, right? There is no downfall in being abstinent, right? And yet they don't want to teach that. There's no drawback on that. Why is it that they don't want that to be taught to our kids? You know, I think that's something that we should discuss. You know, if we're gonna have that type of education in our schools, we should talk about that. But I truly believe it's up to the parents. It's up to the parents to talk to their children about what's going on with sex in their lives and really explain to them all the things that they need to be aware of because the parents truly have compassion for their children. They truly understand their heart. They truly understand how they look at things. And this is what we need to do is give that right back to the, uh, to the parents, take it away from the schools because it doesn't belong there. You know, if we're uh, talking about education, that, that same law that was called the Comprehensive Human Sexuality Act uh, passed by the legislature a few years ago. And it also requires that our schools teach our young people that abortion is an acceptable pregnancy outcome, and also that any form of sexual activity is equally valid, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's um, uh, uh, you know lesbianism, whether it's uh, sex with minors, it doesn't matter, and that the only thing you need is consent. Now, I, I don't know how legally you can say that a minor can consent, but that's what we're teaching our kids by Colorado law now. Do you support that bill, that law now? And if not, what are you going to do about it? 
No, I don't support it at all. Look, our schools are failing our kids. We know that. You know, when only 60% of the fourth graders can read at the fourth grade level and only 50% can do math at the fourth grade level, our schools are failing our children. They should focus on teaching our children how to be productive citizens in society. It is wrong for them to be teaching third graders anything about sex. You know, our public school system is no longer truly looking out for the best interests of the kids as far as teaching them. It seems like they've become governmental indoctrinating centers because they're teaching social issues. These belong to the parents. The parents, again, must have the right to teach their children on how to look at these issues, not hired guns or hired teachers that are out there trying to do some curriculum, because that curriculum comes from people that don't truly understand their children. And Greg, on the gender issue, do you believe we should be affirming children in their biological gender or encouraging them to explore that they could choose their gender? You know, it's pretty simple for me. Boys are boys and girls are girls. You know, it doesn't get any more simpler than that. You know, we need to remind them. They're confused already as kids, right? They have these young minds that they're trying to absorb all this knowledge. And parents traditionally have told their kids, you know, go to school and listen to your teacher. You know, just listen to them. But we're finding out through the pandemic that some of the things that they're teaching our kids is not what our values are. It's not what the parents want to see. You know, they want to make sure that their children are being taught correctly. And so for me, I think we need to stay away from that, that the parents deal with these issues. And boys are boys and girls are girls. Well, on the whole, on the whole gender issue, uh, the Biden administration uh, recently uh, announced that they were going to allow the expenditure of federal funds for gender transition treatment for minors. Um, and, you know, Colorado has aggressive rules on all this stuff, too, uh, rolling back parental consent. Do you think that children ought to have that parental consent ought to be required before a minor can get gender transition therapy? Yes, of course. Look, the parents, this is their most precious gift they've, they've brought into this world, right? We can't have a minor be able to make those types of decisions. We talked about it earlier. You know, minors are minors. That's why they have parents, so that the parents can make good informed decisions for them. And it is so wrong, so wrong for the federal government or any government to say we're going to pay for this and that the parents don't have a say. You know, because if we go down that path, where is it going to stop? Where is it actually going to stop? And I think we need to stand as a gap with parents and support them and say we're not going to allow this to happen. So Greg, what is critical race theory and should it be taught to our children? You know, you hear about a lot about critical race theory, and to put it as simply as possible, that is teaching racism, and it should not be in our schools. We should not be teaching racism to our children, right? They're trying to teach them that, you know what, you have no control as to how you're going to feel because of the color of your skin. You know, I remind people when I talk to Democrats and unaffiliate voters, because I talk to a lot of them about these types of issues. You know, Martin Luther King has a very famous quote that he says, you know, I dream of a day where my children are judged by their content of their character, not by their color of their skin. We don't need racism. Racism divides our communities, and we cannot allow it to be in our civic society. Well, so um, do you feel uh, that we need to take steps to ensure that our kids are taught true American history and not the 
1619 project, for example, which I think has been debunked by scholars, but it's still being pushed out there by the education establishment and sort of undergirding this whole CRT thing. Do you think we need to take steps to ensure that true American history is taught? Yes, we do. We need to take strong steps to that. We need to look at the textbooks. We need to have parents review these textbooks before they go into the classroom. Look, we must teach the truth. And the truth con consists of the good, the bad, and the ugly, mm. right? We need to learn from our history, but we need to understand those times. We need to understand what was going on in our nation when those types of things are happening. Mm. You know, we learn from our mistakes. Every person learns from their mistakes. You know, I've learned from my mistakes, you know, and this is what we need to do. We need to teach the truth. You know, I think it was Ben Shapiro that said, facts don't care about your feelings. You know, we need to look at the facts. We need to teach our children how to evaluate those facts, how to have cognitive thinking, but we must get back to teaching true American history so that people can understand how many brave men and women fought for our freedom, for our liberties, and they dove on the sword to have those freedoms for us. That's where the Constitution comes from. You know, I'm a veteran. I took that oath. I will always protect the Constitution. Mm. Well, a quick follow-up, if I might, Mark. Um, so, you know, when President Trump was in office, one of the last things he did was he rolled out the 1776 Commission. I don't know if you remember that. I or do. Familiar with that? I am. Um, uh, and then one of the first things Joe Biden did in office was eliminate that that uh, program, which was designed to, for curriculum in schools and kids to be taught true American history. What would you do as governor to make sure that kids are taught true American history? You know, we need to bring that curriculum to the table. We need to figure out how do we introduce that into our schools. Because look, it's clear, Marxism always tells you, you wanna control the future, erase the past. Because if you tell them what you want them to know, then there is no foundation for them to build on. So I'm gonna work very hard to bring that type of truth back into our schools as it pertains to American history. Well, this question, Greg, is very close to home for me because I'm a pastor and uh, I'm gonna read this one. Jared Polis deemed that churches were not essential during the pandemic and banned gatherings for worship of more than 10 people. Colorado's attempted to find Christian merchants who refused to participate in gay weddings or other celebrations, including a cake baker and a website designer. What will you do as governor to protect religious freedom in Colorado? Well, Mark, it is clear. Our governor doesn't believe in the Constitution. He doesn't believe in our Bill of Rights. How dare he shut down our churches? How dare he shut down the one institutions that the Constitution protects and allows us to have our spiritual gatherings to make sure that we're strong in our faith? That is just plain wrong. And the Colorado uh, Supreme Court ruled six to zero oh, that he was wrong in doing that. You know, we're gonna make sure that no one's rights gets trampled by the rich elitists, specifically the bureaucrats. Look, the most powerful people in government are not the elected officials. The most powerful people in government are the bureaucrats. These are the ones that are setting the rules and the regulations. And if you notice, currently we have a governor that likes to use those bureaucrats as the front when we know he's calling all the shots. So we're not gonna allow that to happen again. We're gonna stand tall for our rights and our constitution. And as governor, I'm gonna make sure that everyone's civil rights is protected because we must make sure that we always have those freedoms. And I will never, ever shut down the churches. You know, there was, uh, the governor did that under an emergency declaration law that I don't think very many people knew, even knew existed. Of course, governors all over America did it. But have you looked at that law in Colorado? Do you think it needs to be changed? 
it does need to be changed. Let me tell you what needs to be changed about it, is that the governor can only do it one time with no ability to renew it on his own, because he took advantage of that. The statute does say that every 30 days he can renew it, but it's designed for master, for major destruction. It's not designed for what he used it for. And he took away the legislature's ability to have a voice in that. You know, he used to say, I'm, I'm talking to the county uh, commissioners. He wasn't talking to the county commissioners. He was lecturing the county commissioners on what they should do and shouldn't do. So we must amend that so that a governor never again can abuse that right because he abused it for 18 months. Well, uh, Greg, one more uh, uh, one more question on our list here, and it has to do with the economy and finances. And basically, our question is: Do you think that Colorado is in good shape financially? And if not, uh, you know, spending, jobs, everything else, inflation. If not, what what do you think needs to be done about it? Look, Colorado is broken. Everywhere I travel in the 64 counties, Colorado is broken. When I talk to families, I hear it in their voices, the frustration. I see it in their eyes, their concerns about the future. You know, I was talking to a young couple the other day, and I was asking them about, how does your quality of life look? And they said, you know what? We can't even think we can even afford a house. And because we can't even afford a house, we don't even know if we're gonna have children because inflation is so high. You know, if we can't even pay our rent, how can we plan for a family? And so you hear this across the state. Look, inflation hurts the poor, it hurts the hardworking men and women more than the rich elitists that are currently in control. And we must make sure that we bring down those costs because inflation doesn't discriminate based on zip codes, right? We all are struggling. I don't know about you guys, but I hate going to the gas pump. You know, I hate going to the gas pump because I can see those numbers just keep going up and up. Imagine if you were a single mom, you know, and you had to pay that twice and you got to choose between am I buying bacon and protein for my kids and milk or am I going to fill up my car with gas you know our state budget I'm here to tell you has 30 percent fraud waste and abuse you know because the bureaucrats make it easy to spend other people's money they're not looking to make sure that we spend it efficiently how do I know that I saw it at the federal level you know I saw it a little bit at, in Parker when I was uh, mayor and here's what you'll every bureaucrat will tell you if you ask them do you spend every dollar that you get in your budget? And they'll say yes. And if you ask them why, they'll say, because if I don't spend it all, I'm not gonna get more next year. What kind of logic is that? You know, instead of spending it correctly, we need to make sure that we use the people's money in the most efficient manner, and that's what I'm gonna do as governor. Mm. Well, fantastic. You know, Greg, I think um, a lot of uh, Coloradans uh, are concerned as well about, they, they think Republicans are enemies of the environment. And this question is just a freebie out there. Sure. It's not on your list, but I'm curious, do you have a message that you'd like to convey about your stance on protecting the environment? Look, the environment is one of the most precious thing that the Lord's given us, right? The mountains, the rivers, the vistas, and we all wanna protect it. We don't wanna destroy it for the next generation. You know, but we must use it correctly. And I think Republicans truly understand that, you know what, it provides for hunting, provides for recreation. It provides for us to be proud of the, of the state that we live in. If you look at the public lands that are being protected by the federal government, they're the worst public lands that you could ever imagine because they're not even maintaining them. They're not taking care of them. You know, you go rural Colorado and you talk to a rancher, you talk to someone that truly understands how to manage the land, they're doing it correctly. Why? Because they want to leave it for the next generation. 
The federal government just wants to say we're taking care of it, but they are not taking care of it. Every study that I've seen shows that they're neglecting it. And this is why we face these, these threats of fire here in Colorado. So I'm here to tell people, look, every Republican has a, has a child, every Republican has a job. We want a good quality water, we want good clean air, but we also want a strong economy. And when you shut down certain industries, it's hurting those hardworking men and women. And I'm not going to allow that. Awesome. And well, we actually finished early. We made it through all the questions. Greg, any closing things you want to say to our listeners tonight? I do. Look, the people of Colorado have a decision to make, specifically in the Republican and unaffiliated primary races. In eight days, they will decide who will go toe to toe with Governor Polis. And if they like the same thing that we're doing, high inflation, you know, mandates, restrictions, high crime, homelessness, then obviously you need to continue to vote for our existing governor. But if you're ready for a change, if you're ready for someone that's going to represent all of us, every single one of us in 64 counties, then you need to support my voice. You need to support Greg Lopez, because I'm the only candidate that can take votes away from the governor. No one's going to outspend him. But I've been working really hard. I've been in the black community, the Hispanic community, and here's what they're telling me. You know, Greg, you've been out here talking to us, and it's clear that you care about us. You care about our families. You care about our kids. And so we need you to win the primary. We're going to make you the governor. We're not going to change parties, but we're going to make you the governor because we're sick and tired of what this governor has done to our families. Well, Greg, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to join us. And uh, Richard, this, I think, has been a great night. We've had Heidi Ganahl and Greg Lopez with us. One of the things I want to share with uh, the listening audience, first, Richard, we want to thank CTN for carrying this. Also, this is archived, so you can actually take this and forward this link. Help get the word out. Uh, We ask the exact same questions to both uh, Greg Lopez and Heidi Ganahl. And if there's one thing we could close out by saying, you need to vote. Uh, There's no such thing as not voting, because when you fail to vote, you double the power of someone else. And so it's so important that you vote. And I know we have a lot of believers, a lot of Christians. We need to pray like we've never prayed. Our, our state is in such horrible shape, and uh, we can make a difference. But we decide who gets in that office. And if we'll rise up and let our voice be heard, things can change. So, Richard, any closing comments from you? No, it's just been great having uh, Heidi and Greg on. And, uh, you know, I think that the future of Colorado is actually pretty bright. And I think people are waking up to the destructive nature of progressive policies and you know and uh, i'm looking forward to the results of the election and uh, so the last thing i want to mention is just join us next week six o'clock mountain time uh, on monday night here on truthandliberty.net i think our guest next week is going to be sean foyt so we're really looking forward to that andrew's going to be back it should be a great show and thanks again to heidi and to greg for coming out here and being a part of our program Uh, thank you to all of you for watching Join us next time for the Truth and Liberty broadcast. Find tonight's episode and related articles and links at truthandliberty.net. Truth and Liberty is viewer supported. If you'd like to help us continue our live casts, you can make a donation at truthandliberty.net. 